Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher empowered living coach and spiritual feminist. And I am so delighted to have teacher, consultant, and coach Julie Daly with me here today. Welcome, Julie. Mm, thank you, Joni. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Mm, so glad to have you. Let me tell our listeners a little bit more about you. So Julie is an educator, a writer, and a consultant. She's a leadership coach who has led hundreds of people from all walks of life to awaken the soul, the source of true creative expression within. Julie guides individuals from around the world in discovering and uncovering their true nature as creative human beings. She speaks about and offers one-on-one -on -one coaching courses and consulting in creativity and innovation, compassion and vulnerability, and authentic feminine leadership. She believes that we each have a blessing to give and as women, a deeply instinctive creative force that emits power beyond measure. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sounds like something, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, I love that idea of um, the authentic feminine leadership. And mm -hmm. yeah, would love to hear you share about that and what that means to you, for you. Sure. You know, um, what it means to me is living, living as you are through your embodied through your female body. So there's, I, there's no way I could really say what it is, although there are certain qualities, I think, to it. Mm. Um, but each of us as women, um, if we do that, if we show up authentically, as best we can. I mean, we're learning how to do that, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're removing the layers that, that, that we used to hide who we are, to cover it up for whatever reason. Um, and as we begin to show up more and more who we are, we begin to discover the qualities of who we are and what it feels like to be embodied. And it's a, it's a journey of discovery. Mm. Um, for me, what I've noticed is um, my relationship to power, hmm. which was such a relationship that was fraught with a lot of fear, a lot of um, stories about what that meant, uh, fear of hurting people because I'd been hurt with power. Mm -hmm. um, and 
realizing that a lot of what I experienced initially was um, the power felt so great because I was blocking the power. You know, that was more of what I was experiencing than the true power. The true power, it's powerful, but it, it, what I'm noticing now, and I'm just using this as an example of one quality of power, mm-hmm. is that it is in, in alignment with life. Um, it's not against it. And I think that what I originally thought was that the power was against, mm. because that's most of what I see in the world. So I, going back to your question, I think that it's an align, it's an alignment with life. Mm. Embodied feminine leadership is aligned with life, mm. with the whole, the whole of life. Yes. And when you, when you say life, I'm assuming you mean in kind of in the largest sense possible. Yes. Mm. I, yes. I. The expression of, um, I suppose it's the expression of the divine in, in the realm of matter. It also would include other realms, um, but mostly when I speak of it, I'm speaking about it in terms of our world of matter. Hmm. So meaning here on planet Earth, in our human bodies. Right, and in relationship to and with all other forms of life. Hmm. Um, it, it's the whole of life mm-hmm. and that's what the feminine the feminine doesn't make distinctions there aren't distinctions through the energy of the feminine mm. it's such a uh, way of holding the wholeness of beings and of, of the, the wholeness of each being the wholeness of the wholeness altogether as well and the distinctions come more from, I think, the yang aspect of life. Yes. Uh, hmm. So your journey of coming into authentic feminine leadership for yourself. With the emphasis on journey. Yeah. <laughs> I would never want to tell anybody, hey, I've made it. Now I'm here. I know what this is. <laughs> Just let's let's make sure that's clear. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> but what I guess I'm curious what was your what was your doorway in, or what was your, you know, what took you into that journey of feminine leadership for yourself or sovereignty, as as I sometimes call it. Gosh, you know, I can't really remember the first, I don't really remember the first time that concept or idea crossed my awareness of the feminine. Um, I would say that my initial doorway into um, the second half of my life, which has been the part where I've been more focused on this and this work was my husband's death. Mm. 
Mm. Um, his sudden death. And it really just blew everything out of the water. Mm -hmm. Life just wasn't, just could never be the same again. Mm. Um, I remember feeling like, um, really like the day he died, died at four in the morning. Mm. And um, a few hours later, my younger daughter and I left the hospital and went to the bank and a friend came out and had take out some cash for me. I'd worked at the bank, so I didn't know what else to do. I said, what do you do? You suddenly, you know, I thought, you get money, you get some money, which Mm -hmm. was, you know, in the, in hindsight, it was like, I didn't need to do that, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, Mm. um, we were sitting in the car waiting for her to come out. And my daughter said, mom, isn't it strange? Everybody's walking around like nothing's happened, Mm. but, but daddy's gone, you know? And it was that feeling of being, a stranger in a land that I'd known, but was mm. no longer what I'd known or like Dorothy with, but there were no red shoes. Wow. There were no red shoes. Um, and so I think, you know, oftentimes it's a, it's a experience of suffering or, um, complete kind of a shattering of your life that, mm wakes you up out of the dream that you've been living in. And I'm sure there were times before that where I, you know, I know there were times um, where I could sense the sacred around me and, you know, done a lot of reading and different things, but it was really the death that got me to start wondering. And then somewhere along the way, um, I don't know if it was after my time, it was probably before my time at Stanford, um, but especially after where I started becoming more aware of the, the, the journey of the feminine, and it was probably around 2000, something like that, um, where it became more clearly part of the work I wanted to do, mm-hmm. uh, with creativity and, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's been an amazing journey to watch just within myself, um, how my ideas have of it have, um, morphed more into the experience of it. You know, mm-hmm. at first, at first you have ideas and you think you know it cause you know <laughs> the ideas of it. Right. And then, um, through the, the, the path you start to, um, realize that, no, that's not it. Yes. The map is not the same as the journey. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what I know of you is I, I do know that you are someone who is in tune with with her emotions, and I know that you've written on grief. And so I, I guess I wonder if that experience of the sudden death of your husband, if, if that took you into grief or even into your emotions in a way that you hadn't ever fully been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I, I was always pretty um, balanced between mind and heart. You know, I used to be a programmer and love math. So great with the left side of my brain, mm-hmm. but also pretty fluent with the right side of my brain. And um, if I had, I probably identified with both as an ego, both in thoughts and emotions pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lots, lots of great identity there. Um, but I would say the real raw emotions. Yeah. Just, just flat out raw um, the depth that we can feel as human beings is absolutely incredible. 
and it doesn't kill us. It just, it, to me, it was, there was a real turning point when I realized the beauty Mm. that I was experiencing in the depth of the pain I felt at his loss. Mm. It was such beauty um, to be that alive. Wow. And then my first grandson was born with a heart defect and um, had to have surgery when he was a day old and lots of complications, um, critical for three months. And just horrible, horribly uh, difficult journey for my daughter and son-in-law and for all the family and for me. And to witness my daughter and son-in-law and my grandson go through such, so much pain, what brought a whole other level to it because it was, here I was there to try to help them, but I was lost in my own stuff. And so I had to really become very present in my capacity to be with that level of pain in the NICU at Children's Hospital for day in and day out, you know, not knowing if he would live or die. Mm. Um, and so it, it, there wasn't the, the opportunity or there wasn't the, the uh, um, no, that's not the right word. Um, I couldn't just sit in my own stuff. The luxury, perhaps? Perhaps, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it was like, you know what, I'm not really serving anybody here. Right. Right. I couldn't just, I couldn't just sit in my own stuff. I had to back up and go, I need to actually hold space. Mm-hmm. I need to hold space and I need to witness and, and, and listen and feel for where they needed me and, and not deny my own, not deny my own grief and pain at the same time. And so I think it brought a whole nother level of consciousness to um, one's ability to feel and stay present. Mm. So what, when I hear that, it makes me think, certainly my experience of a feminine uh, journey towards leadership, authentic leadership, isn't, it, it's not a simple, easy journey. From, from my experience, it often includes, um, it's more like initiations than, than anything else. And I don't know if that feels true for you, but as I hear you, it's like being put in that situation where the leadership was being, you know, called forth from you in a potent and powerful way that, that you didn't have, you didn't have the space to just, you know, focus on yourself, but you had to show up and be there. I don't know if that resonates mm-hmm. for you, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, what came up as you said that was, I think, one of the reasons it's felt like such an initiation is that so much of what we're talking about is not talked about in the culture. Mm. Right. I mean, I learned how to be really good at solving math problems and (laughs) how to be a good computer programmer and, you know, certain things that are acceptable, right. But to really sit in the bowels of grief, to be able to sit next to a full length bed with a day old baby on it, hooked up to every kind of a machine you could imagine and to be able to sit with eyes open and heart open and take that in. We're not taught how to do that. And so we have to find within ourselves the ability and capacity um, 
A, to do that, and B, to trust that somewhere that's actually natural. Mm. That even if it's not taught in the culture and it's not reflected, we know how to do that. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. And I think that fits right into what's happening in our world today. We know how to be with this. <laughs> yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's in our bones. It's in our bones. Um, and I, that going back to, you know, that's where the power is. Yes. Right. And that is where, that is where and how we step into our leadership as women. And I, I certainly have felt that since, um, since November and the election that, that we are being called collectively to do that, to step into power in a way or initiated into our own leadership in ways that we haven't experienced before now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I experienced, um, the night of the election, the initial, the initial was like sort of a, uh, post-traumatic stress response, yes. you know, it's like, Oh my God like for 30 minutes, just sort of shaking that this might actually happen. And then, um, then it was like this, I could, this sort of rod inside of me up through me, this rod of strength just suddenly was there and it was like, all right, all right. And a very clear understanding of, and, and, and I, when I said this out loud, I think on one of my Facebook lives, I said it and some people misunderstood it. And I said, you know, this is why I came. It wasn't that I didn't come to have my children and my babies and all the other wonderful things about my life. But there was a very clear sense for me that one of the, this is actually this time is the reason that I've been on the path I've been on. Yes. Right. To, to, I, I think that my capacity has grown and grown and grown um, and my ability to hold and my ability to be aware and to listen and to um, allow something deeper and wiser than me to speak through me mm-hmm. um, and to listen for it has all been in preparation for whatever's going to happen now. And it wasn't like I could see what my path was, but I could feel my capacity come online. Mm. Yes. I, I had a very similar experience when I, I was comforting my daughter who was in a lot of distress over the mm. outcome. And, and I had this certainty you know, this wave of certainty wash over me and this feeling of resolve and just clear inner knowing, similar to what you're describing of recognizing now is the time, you know, now is the time. And yes, all that preparation has prepared you to be here and to show up for this and to be active and present. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds so similar. And I would imagine for um, people listening that many have felt that same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. So one of the pieces that we often address uh, when I talk with guests is, 
is how how money or finance kind of weaves through this journey of you know we're using the the term leadership today but that kind of stepping into your own authority or leadership in your life and i'm i'm also so struck by your story about going to the bank um, <laughs> to withdraw money after the you know after the death of your husband and it's like wow it it just struck me like wow money showed up there um it was it was a very interesting thing i think partly i think it came from like you know movies and things where Mm. you don't know what I, I just don't even think I knew legally what was going to happen mm. I was 38 and I didn't expect that to happen I, and I I wasn't thinking I mean he died so quickly right and I was in shock and yes. right so it was like it was like survival mm-hmm. and what cracked me up was I think I only took out a couple hundred dollars <laughs> But there was some, oh my God, I, 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 it was survival. And right. um, so that leads really beautifully into your question because I grew up um, one of three daughters with um, a single mother. My dad left when I was seven and my mother pretty much raised us financially mm-hmm. and um, all on her own in the early, in the mid sixties. And she was terrified terrified that she wasn't going to be able to do it. Mm. And so I grew up in that, there was, that terror was in our house, mm-hmm. was in the energetic field of, we're not going to be able to make the end, ends meet. I can't do it by myself. Um, and so that's been a big part of my journey is trying to get to the bottom of that terror. Mm. Why do I feel terror? Why do I feel such scarcity? Why, um, do I feel for a long time that my work wasn't worthy of much money? Mm. Um, It it all went back to that. And even, you know, not to go into too many details, but even the fact that um, for whatever reason between them, um, very little support came from my father, Mm. which, you know, for three little girls makes you start to, who knows the things that you're thinking about, right? That right. your value, value as a girl, your mother's value, mm. your mother's ability to, to make a good living compared to your father who had made a good living. And mm. suddenly even, and even in certain recent writings, I've realized a lot of the, the generational beliefs that I think might be prevalent in many of us, but at least we're in my family, that, that the, when the man leaves, the good life goes with him. Yes. Right. The, the good life goes with the man because he has the capacity. And um, when you start to unravel all of those beliefs and thoughts and stories, um, not everybody grows up in that kind of environment, but many of us do. Right. And so I think the biggest journey for me is has really been trying to find the root of truth in the value of the feminine. Mm. Not just, an, again, an idea. Oh, okay, yeah, she's valuable, so I'm valuable. But where is the root of that? How do I mm. find the root of the, of the knowing mm. of the value? Um, you know, as an ex-programmer, mm-hmm. systems analyst at a bank, mm. um, 
my major when I went back to school. I I transferred to Stanford at 42 as an undergrad from a community college. So mm. took it took maybe 12 years to get my degree, graduated at 45, um, half computer science and other things. So, you know, really good with my, that side of my brain could have gone into well-paying work in Silicon Valley, but had to follow this something that I couldn't name. Hmm. Um, when I got out of Stanford, lots of stories around that, that I don't have time to share with you. We don't have time, but there was something calling me and it was this deeper journey and so many ideas in my head about the valuable work is programming. The valuable work would have been mm. Silicon Valley. The valuable work would have been in finance, whatever, right? Mm. I'm going off on this other path and it's my path, but I already made up. I'm not going to make much money doing it because it's not valuable, mm. um, which is crazy when you think about it. But mm -hmm. If I'm being perfectly honest, that's exactly what I experienced because mm. in the culture, if you compare how those two paths are held, you can, you just see the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so the work it's taken for me to really hold the value of my work as a teacher and as a coach mm. and, and the, the shifts that can happen through that work. Um, to see those as valuable as a COBOL program written for a bank, you know, doesn't, I mean, when you hold the two out loud, it's like, well, of course, but there's a lot of work in the psyche that has to go on to, mm. at least in my psyche that I had to go on to really grasp that. Is that making sense? Y yes, it's, okay. it's absolutely <laughs> making sense. And I, I do think that the pieces that often, um, whether it's coaching or um, e even in, in education, um, you know, that often those roles, not, not necessarily at the college level, but often those roles are associated with women or they are, you know, more predominantly um, feminine roles, although not exclusively. So it, it's, it's interesting that there is that distinction between, you know, the kind of change or the kind of holding that occurs through women or through the feminine is not as valued yeah. um, culturally as, as the, the banking or the programming or the, you know, the creating in those ways, those other ways. And I even see that in teaching because I teach around creativity and leadership and mm -hmm. pe people want very practical things and they want things that are scientifically based mm -hmm. and they, and I get that and mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing, but they, then when you start to bring in emotions or what people call it woo woo or soft <laughs> things they you can see there's sort of like this, woo this fear of it. Um, yes. and yet if you're really going to facilitate creativity, you've got to be able to help walk people into a relationship with that which they can't see. Yes. Right? That which they don't yet know. Um, yes. And that's, that's what we need in the world today. We need a relationship with, with that part of life. And mm. um, it's the, I, I sense it's the direct denigration of the feminine that gets people all about that, right? About mm -hmm. the unknown, about the mysterious, about the dark, about mm -hmm. not knowing, about death, about any any of those aspects. 
And if we're going to have a really healthy relationship with money, we've got to be able to hold the whole of the relational aspect of life. Because to me, money is an exchange. It's a relationship. And it's got to be an honorable exchange. And that's one of the reasons our economy is so sick. Because mm. it's, it's, it's not based on an honorable relationship to both parties, you know. Um, in fact, I think when money's, people started making money to do, by doing nothing, <laughs> it started to get sort of sick, right? It's, it's like... <laughs> I'm getting off topic a little bit. But, uh. yeah. Well, I will, I'll just interject that um, a guest of mine a few months back, you know, I remember her saying um, that the feminine is coming in, you know, that there there is both the rising of the feminine, but there is a rising of the feminine within the collective um, around money and finance. So, I, I just name that because it, it comes to mind that idea of of getting back to the relational, getting back to to holding mm -hmm. the whole, um, and bringing it into not only our personal relationship with money, but our you know our exchange and the the way we set up economies in the larger sense. Right, right. Just as a quick aside, there's a really good book that a book I love by Helen Luke L U K E called A Woman, Earth, and Spirit. And she has, it's a small book, but she has one chapter on money and talks about the goddess Moneta, ah. where money came from. And she really talks about it from that relationship, um, from one to another, that as soon as that was no longer honored, that something became unhealthy. And so I just want to shout out to her of some of what I've come to understand in myself is, is through that reading. Excellent. Thank, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm not familiar with it, and it, it sounds sounds like something I want to explore, and I'm yeah. guessing some of my listeners will as well. Yeah, yeah. So I want to shift gears um, a little bit. One of the things I like to ask is um, this idea of trusting, trusting the sacred feminine flow and just wondering if you have any experiences or stories. It, it certainly sounds like you have been doing that in your life, but if there's something that comes to mind around that idea or that journey of trusting your sacred feminine flow. Um, hmm. Well, first of all, it's been one of the hardest things for me to learn to do. Hmm. So I want to be brutally honest with that, right? It's I don't see it as an easy thing, especially for those of us that perhaps had um, our trust broken when we were young. Mm. Um, because that ultimately trust is the bottom line, right? Trusting in in that which is yet even yet to emerge. Mm. Um, yes. right trusting in that which is gestating um, listening and feeling for it mm. and let me just listen for a moment I think in some way we've all experienced our trust uh, being broken um, probably why the personality gets created with such a strong 
uh, identity, you know, mm-hmm. to try to hang on. Um, and so I think that the possibility is to find that trust again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to really come to some deep places within yourself. You have to face, I've had to face the parts of me that became so afraid mm-hmm. of, of what I w- would encounter if I took risk, if I showed up more as myself, um, more as my sensual, sexual self, um, more vulnerable, um, what would happen to me? Mm. And yet, if we're talking about the feminine, we're really talking about that erotic nature, Mm -hmm. um, that the culture doesn't... mm, know how to dance with so beautifully mm. and so for me I think that uh, that's probably been the hardest part is is the trusting of that within me that eroticism and by that I don't mean just mean sexually but the, the deep feeling um, capacity of the feminine the the capacity to know. Um, I know, you know, in my TEDx talk around the cherry tree and Neruda's line, you know, I want to do with you what spring does with cherry trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do with you what spring does with cherry trees. When you think about what spring does with a cherry tree, you know, that is what, life is wanting to do with us. Yes. And it takes great trust and vulnerability to not resist that. And I don't know that we can stop it, but I think we can make ourselves sick trying to stop it. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) And I think the resistance is the piece that I found ultimately in in the simplest terms as a coach and in his, my own personal journey um, and doing my own work in meditation is just simply be with the resistance, with, with complete awareness, with love, not pushing anything away, not trying to change anything. Just be with the resistance at the most basic level. Mm-hmm. That's really what's happening. We're just resisting our own blossoming. Mm. Yes. So if we can trust the goodness, the inherent goodness of our blossoming, mm. of the fullness of that, of the beauty of it, of the sensuality of it, of the explosion of it, right? Of the delight of it, of the, uh, the, the orgasmic quality of it, right? Can we trust that we can feel that much. Mm. And it is it even is trust that perhaps that's why we came to earth to, to actually feel it, mm. to have a body so we can feel it. Yes. Right. Mm. That's, that's where your question leads me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just am taking that in and really need to just pause for a moment because 
it's just so it's just so rich and so potent and I have heard your TED talk and I have heard you speak to this before and it um, it feels like such a gift. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a, a precious treasure and mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful that that we we got there that you were able you know that you expressed that and got to that expression. Mm, yeah, I can feel it in me right now. It's so fecund, you know, so fertile, so rich, mm. so beautiful, um, and tender and powerful at the same time. It reminds me of the cherry tree. You know how in the winter the bark is so gnarly and gray, mm. you know, and then these little tiny, tiny, fleshy um, sprouts come out of that gnarly bark Mm -hmm. and blossoms come. (laughs) It's like quite amazing, (laughs) right? Magical, yeah. Yeah, and it feels like a a really good metaphor for our journey sometimes because we can feel so, so far away from that soft, tender, Mm-hmm. kind of sensual nature you know um, and yet it just has to erupt through the, the bark mm. thank you so my, my final question which I ask all my guests is um, from where you stand today and who you are and the wisdom you embody what what would you share with your younger self? Mm. Mm. Two things come to mind. Um, that I'll speak to her. Mm-hmm. That you will come to find your power again and it will be your friend not your enemy and that it was all you could do to turn your back on God on your soul, on your deepest self. Mm. But, and, (laughs) God, your soul never turned its back on you. Mm. Exquisite. Thank you. Just the the tenderness that I can feel in the moment is so strong and palpable. And I'm so honored 
and so appreciative of you bringing bringing us on this journey with you and and taking this time today it's been my pleasure thank you for thank you for bringing us to this place <laughs> you're so welcome i'm i'm bowing deeply <laughs> in the moment and i as well and I'm sitting looking out my living room window and it's been rainy and cloudy and now there's these beautiful clouds and the sun is, mm. you know, how when it starts to shine through the clouds and the rays come, mm -hmm. that's what I'm seeing. Mm. It's, so, it's so exquisitely beautiful. Mm. <sighs> well, I, I do want to share with our listeners that um, that you that you write and uh, that people can access your writings. And I, I'm saying that because just everything that you have uh, just expressed in these, you know, in this last 40 minutes or so, you know, it, it touches such a deep place. And I find your writings to, to do that as well. So I really want to encourage people to go to your site, which is unabashedlyfemale.com. Is that correct? Right, right. Yes. Go ahead. I, and I'm, I'm just about ready to, um, I've been redoing juliedaily.com. So there will be something there. But the, the, the richness of the writing, the, the, the majority of it will be at Unabashedly Female or on my Facebook page, as you probably noticed lately. Yes, yes. And that is Julie Daly on Facebook. Yes. Yes. So if people wanted to uh, friend or follow you, they could do that there. Julie Daly. Yes. I'm getting a little tickle in my throat. So. Okay. Yes, you've held it together. You're you're coming out of the flu, so I'm I'm impressed. You've been holding it together. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I will say thank you as well to our listeners for taking this time with us today, and remind you as always until next time to trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. 